Welcome to the Low Carbon Business Podcast, the home of future thinking enterprise. For the innovators, the dreamers, the grafters, the progressive entrepreneurs, business is changing. It's taking more responsibility for its impact on the environment. With smaller firms being a creative wellspring for this shift, more and more SMEs are showing that being green is good for business, as well as doing good for the planet. We discuss global challenges from a local perspective, explore green technologies, new business models and sustainable supply chains. Tune in for useful tips, insight and information about how to improve your bottom line whilst making a positive impact on the planet. Let's jump in. The eye-watering results of Greenpeace's recent big plastic count show that of 100 billion pieces of plastic packaging thrown away by households across the country every year, just 12% is recycled here in the UK. We sat down with plastic-free entrepreneur Simon Irons to talk about the big issues. After a career in buying and supply chain management for large businesses such as Asda, Argos and Halfords, Simon turned the skills he learned in the corporate world towards reducing the mass of plastic packaging that families in Derbyshire are throwing away every week from their grocery shop. My name is Simon Irons and I run a small business called Unwrap Local, uh, which is based in Ashbourne in Derbyshire and is all about selling plastic-free groceries for home delivery, uh, working with local businesses, uh, basically to supply plastic-free groceries to local consumers. Um, so my involvement with the decarbonised product uh, project was um, really sort of reaching out for uh, help, I suppose. Um, when you've worked for lots of big businesses um, over the years, as I have, uh, you get very used to working in teams and drawing upon the skills and knowledge of lots of different people to get the job done. Um, and when you're running a business on your own, you have none of that. So um, I think... I can't remember who it was who introduced me to Fred, but somehow I ended up at his door and um, he's been a brilliant introduction for me to lots of uh, ideas, people, different networks um, and the decarbonised project specifically. Um, I guess it was like a type of consultancy, really, just acting as a bit of a foil to help me do some thinking and give me a, a second opinion on how to make the business work. Brilliant. I've always said that running a business is a network activity and finding the net right networks is the most difficult thing. So it sounded like, you know, your business and your interest and the things that you do and that particular network sound like an ideal fit. Um, I'm going to jump on to the first section. Uh, and this section is all about saving money. And I know with businesses, especially now, there are two very important words. But what do you think are the main incentives for businesses to invest in their energy efficiency? Well, energy costs are only going to go in one direction. Um, so, um, you know, as much as we might all think that there's a short term spike, the long term trend is going to be upwards. So um, investing in ways to uh, generate electricity yourself or to reduce your consumption um, or, or find some other way of lowering your costs um, is critical if you don't want it to be something that becomes all-consuming in your budget because um, you know it's gonna certainly in the next 12-18 months it's gonna 
it's going to have a really massive impact on lots of people's profitability. Um, and, you know, if you haven't got a way of managing it, you're either going to have to put your prices up or, um, or, uh, or, or sadly for many businesses, I suspect um, it will make it unviable. Do you think, although this is a really tricky situation for a lot of businesses, in some ways, in terms of climate, climate, it's come at a, a good time that now people, businesses are scratching their heads, looking at ways they can be more efficient, reducing their costs, and actually being energy efficient. Efficient, they're going to be looking at things like other ways of reducing the amount of energy they use, but also looking at where their energy comes from. So. In terms of businesses, what are the sorts of things that you're aware of that businesses can do to to be more efficient with their energy? Um, so what sort of things can businesses do to be more efficient with their energy? Um, I guess the first thing to understand is, you know, how are you using energy? Where are your biggest areas of consumption? Um, so for a lot of businesses, transport will be a, um, a big cost driver. Um, and uh, looking at ways to make um, how you um, how you sort of can reduce your delivery costs, your 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 transport costs, I guess is one area. Um, through uh, the low carbon business network, uh, through working with Fred, um, I was lucky to be able to get onto a program looking at um, how I could electrify um, my delivery costs. Um, the delivery cost being the single largest uh, part of my uh, cost makeup. Um, and when you look at it just purely on, for example, the cost of buying an electric van versus a fossil fuel van, you know, it looks like it could be quite expensive. But what you learn from the course um, or from the programme rather is that if you look at the, the sort of end to end cost, um, the whole life cost, I think it's called, then actually it can be cheaper over time. Um, so um, I guess that's one thing. Um, but overall, for a business in terms of reducing its consumption, I guess it just goes back to a data. I mean, I think um, start with uh, really understanding where all of your energy uh, cost is, is being spent and, and focus on that area and see, learn from other people, learn from best practice, learn from other businesses on, on how you can reduce that particular area. Yeah, agreed. It's interesting that most people are looking at in terms of the vehicles and the transport that they're they're using. Um, but your your business model is quite interesting. Unwrapped. I'd probably like to dive into that a little bit more, actually. So tell me more about how the the business works and and um, how in in what other ways can you see yourself um, lowering your energy or, or increasing your energy efficiency with throughout the whole business. So Unwrap Local works by um, basically connecting local businesses with local people with the common thread of um, sustainable product. Um, and I guess the, the number one priority is about uh, it being single-use plastic-free. Um, but if we can also uh, source it locally, um, if we can... Um, have it organic if we can make it free range um i think those are the sort of the real sort of priorities uh, for the business um and um what um what we do is we basically go and pick up from the different retailers and um deliver to customers in one single consolidated drop so 
if you've got time to go and shop on the high street and take your own containers with you, that's probably the first choice uh, for what you should do. Um, and I did that for a while um, before I set this business up. But what I realized is that required quite a large amount of time. Um, so what was missing was some sort of home delivery service that basically could buy from your local um, retailers and, and get it plastic free. So effectively, that's what Unwrap Local is. Um, so um, from an energy perspective, my single biggest cost is, is transport. And um, that really is where I focused in terms of uh, efficiency. So largely, uh, when you sort of um, obviously you have to consider the choice of electric versus diesel solutions. Sadly, there aren't many um, uh, leasing or uh, courier options you can find uh, in rural areas for, for um, um, low carbon transport. Um, so then it comes down to route mapping and efficiencies and trying to get from A to B in the in the sort of um, lowest possible uh, with the lowest possible way of uh, spending carbon. Um, so uh, there are various tools out there that can help you be much more efficient with that in terms of planning. Um, but uh, yeah, largely it's just about uh, measuring what you're spending and doing your best to try and sort of keep those costs low. Okay, brilliant. I'm trying to be a measured guest here, I guess, uh, host, um, but is everything about your business I absolutely love. Like I'm trying to <laughs> like, hold back my excitement and I'll, I'll kind of get to this probably during the show or maybe after the show. I think there'll be another conversation. But there's so many areas of the things that you're doing that actually are directly um, relative to reducing carbon. But then on a wider picture of sustainability, health and well-being, plastic pollution, zero waste, it covers so many areas. So I'm going to try and be as calm as possible, but I'm, I want to dive into this a lot more. I actually, this actually moves me actually onto the next section because it's all about doing the right thing and everything that you're doing, I'm, I'm really excited about, but I suppose I want to try and find a little bit more about you now and find out where this, where this comes from really. So what, what drives you to be more purpose-led and more ethical and sustainable and all the things that you're doing? What, where does it, where did this come from? Um, well, it was a bit of a light bulb moment around October 2019 um, I think there was a bit of a building uh, surge of um, activity in in the press um, sort of with Greta Thunberg um, yeah and all of the various sort of um, uh, stories about the damage that we're doing to our planet and I, and I guess probably just at some point, the light bulb went on for me and I thought I need to do something about this I can do something about this and initially it was entirely about my family you know what could I do for my family to try and reduce our carbon footprint um, and particularly the plastic side of it um, I was just getting absolutely sick with the amount of plastic that we were throwing away as a family every week when our home shopping uh, delivery would turn up um, so um, yeah the start of all of Unwrap Local was yeah, wanting to try and do something for my family. And like I said, I started off um, going to local shops uh, with my own containers um, and doing sort of filling up myself to try and avoid the plastic. Um, but what I realised quite quickly was that that was going to take quite a lot of time if I was going to do my whole shopping basket. Um, and I was sort of spending two to three hours um, every week uh, doing that. 
and at the start of that journey I had the time because I was um I just sort of moved to working for myself I was doing contracts and I, I had the time but quite quickly um my contract work sort of upped and I didn't have that time anymore and looking around there was just no home delivery uh solution for it um and um talking to various people uh, locally, um, I just realised lots of other people felt the same. Um, and uh, my certainly talking to the current uh, home shopping provider that we were using at the time, they had no interest in it. You know, plastic was too important to keep things fresh and protected and there were no plans. So it just felt like there was a gap. Um, and I can't say at this stage that I, you know, was thinking, great, a business idea. Um, Sort of things sort of happened a little bit by chance and the main one probably being covid um covid came along and i think uh it, it basically forced a lot of people to rethink how they were doing their home shopping and um i had started the dialogue with a few local retailers about you know could we do something before covid started and i think uh covid coming along and making lots of local businesses quite worried about their viability made them perhaps consider something that otherwise they might not have done. And so, yeah, that was it. I had a few friends who were interested. I found a few retailers who were interested. Um, and I came up with some spreadsheets that bridged the gap. So um, it was all going to be in the start, just a one-off um, and about um, buying a wheel of cheese, a bit more um, a plastic free um, between a group of us. And after we did one delivery, um, everyone was like, well, can we do it again? And, and sort of that was really the start. Mm, I love it. I like that really kind of communal idea as well, because, again, we talk about network activity, but a, a project like this, it needs a community. Um, and, I, and, I, and I like the fact that it brings people together. And I, I like the fact that it's so innovative because you really do need to think outside of the box a, li you know, a little bit to, to figure out how how we can go back to the way that it was because yeah. it's not that long ago that you would go to your local butcher and it'd be wrapped in paper and give it to you and you would go to your um you know your cheese where you bought your, your dairy and your stuff and you get your cheese and it'd be wrapped up in stuff so it's like we used to do it before and i know the benefits of plastic are great in terms of the protection and in terms of keeping food longer it stops it from spoiling however this is where the innovation is now this is the innovation where how do we go back to the way that we used to sell and 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 buy but also being able to have current technology of being able to preserve things for much longer but within within all of this it's going to take people like yourself taking risks, being brave and creating these new business models to try and do the right thing. How do we get other business owners and other leaders to think the same? How do we get people to start thinking more about sustainability circular? I know that's a million dollar question, but where, what advice would you give? Well, if I think back to my experience with Unwrap Local, um, it was about having a critical mass of customers that made local businesses think, okay, this is a bit hard, but actually I could do something because there's enough in it for me. I mean, it's great that many people are driven by uh, the ethical position, but the reality is most people, certainly most business people in my experience right now are more driven by the bottom line. And if, if you can bring, 20 or 30 customers every week 
uh, to a local business and and say, look, I've got uh, all of this buying power here. The only thing you need to do is provide it plastic free, whether you are ethically minded or not. You know, there's um, you know, there's a decent business to be had that, that that makes the effort worthwhile. So, I think certainly in that first year um, during 2020, um, the businesses that we were working for, we were accounting for effectively um, for most of them as a, as an extra days business. You know, it was it was really quite significant. Um, so. I think um, having something that people want and having and making it easy for them to get behind uh, was probably what helped get Unwrapped Local off the ground. I mean, I think with hindsight, the pandemic, you know, was also a big factor. Um, you know, the fact that national home delivery services weren't doing a great job um, during that period definitely helped. Um, a lot of my customers, um, you know, would say, some of whom, you know, have since gone back to those uh, national retailers would say, you know, during that year, it was a bit of a lifesaver when it came to getting groceries because it, it, it just sort of, it really helped out. Um, but um, yeah, I think you've got to have something that um, is a good product at the end of the day and um, having no plastic, working with local retailers, um, good quality products uh, that, you know, um, that sort of really resonate with people. Um, I think, you know, that was what all helped with, with this business. Um, and I set up a WhatsApp group for my customers that sort of at its peak probably had 50 or 60 people in it. And, you know, it was like spreading joy across Derbyshire as they, these plastic free deliveries would turn up of, you know, smelling of beautiful fresh bread and coffee beans. And, you know, it was really, you know, you could sort of watch the ripple go through the group as the delivery driver would uh, drop them all couple of the deliveries off. Joe, it's interesting there. That sounds amazing. If I was in Derbyshire as well, I would be on that list and I'd be in that WhatsApp group. Um, it, there's a thing, few things that you've mentioned there that I want to pick up on. it. And again, it's kind of like the supply and demand thing. So the retailers and the, the independents and the shops will jump on it when the market's there. And I suppose rather than trying to encourage businesses to do it, I suppose the education is with the general public. And the reason why I'm a big believer in going plastic-free, zero-waste, refill, is for a number of different reasons. And it's not just about the reduction of plastic. It actually benefited my life in lots of other ways. In some ways, I saved money. In some ways, I had to spend a bit more. But it kind of equaled out in, in the end. The produce was better. It was more healthier. I knew where it was coming from. And because a lot of it's local, there's a lot of other benefits. So the amount of there's less travel, less air miles. Also, because you end up moving towards whole foods, you end up cooking more. You end up actually being a better chef. Um, and so and then and, and, and within all of that, you're saving, you know, lots of plastic going for, to landfill as well. So, no, I'm. Um, I'm trying to hold myself back here. I think it's amazing what you're doing. Um, okay, so we've kind of looked at the purpose thing and I think the whole trying to look at other businesses about how they could be environmentally conscious is, is, a, is a big kind of area. We could do a whole podcast on that. But I suppose one thing, a carrot on the stake that stick to a lot of businesses is about new business models and innovation. Because actually in this, what you found in this was that there was a there was an idea here. There was a business model and there is 
you know, there was there was a there was an opportunity. Suppose what we could look at here, though, in, in this area of zero waste, reducing plastic um, wrapping. What types of markets are evolving from this? Where where's where are the new markets coming from, and where could the, where could the opportunities lie? Um. So, where are the new opportunities with all of this? Um, I mean, I think there's a really emerging um, feeling similar to mine about plastic, um, and for years and years and years. All of us have just got used to having plastic wrapped around our food and seeing it as a good thing and not making this connection with the damage that we're doing as a result of throwing it away afterwards. And so I think um, the awareness of this is now at a point where I think most people would know that uh, throwing plastic away is a bad thing to do. Um, and so anything in this world of replacing plastic with more sustainable alternatives, I would say is an emerging trend. And I think the, I mean, it's been really interesting for me. I've worked in big national supermarkets um, as, as a buyer in my career, um, not just supermarkets, big, big sort of big national and international chains. And generally I would say that um, they are at the forefront of driving innovation in, in areas such as this. But actually, in this particular example, I think local business could steal a, steal a march on it. Um, uh, uh, you know, the disadvantage to being in those big, large corporations is that they are, it's very hard for them to make big change quickly. And particularly as moving out of plastic will cost them money. Yeah, it's a really hard uh, decision to make. Um, you know, if you, but, but the supply chain, if you're buying local, is just very different. And I think actually gives you the chance as a local business to have competitive edge. Um, so, you know, if you compare a supermarket buying fresh produce from Africa and having to travel all those air miles and wrap it all up to protect it, to allow that journey to, uh, to happen without it degrading versus... Um, a local business selling something that's fresh out of the field, um, you know, the supply chain is much shorter. So I do think um, local business has a real opportunity with this. Um, but it's not, it's not like totally straightforward. I mean, a lot of local businesses buy stuff from further afield um, and particularly fruit and veg um, in this country, um, you know, you can get a pretty decent selection of produce in the summer, but the rest of the year you can't. Um, and so, there is a real challenge for us uh, as a, as society, as human beings, to think about, you know, do we? What's the price are we? What's the price we're paying for having this total choice all year round? Um, and I think, you know, like you you were talking about earlier, if we were to go back thirty or forty years, um, our sort of parents and grandparents were just basically buying what was what they were able to grow locally. Um, and I think probably as a society, there's a need to edge back more in that direction um, and change some of our um, sort of uh, what we've got used to, which won't come easily for everybody. No, I'll just touch on a few things here. Definitely, the, if we went back to the, the more traditional 
I don't want to call it old fashioned because it sounds like it, it's it's out of date, but you know, a more traditional or way of doing things that going seasonal. And that goes to education again, like educating people why we should look at seasonal fruits and vegetables that are harvested at the right times. We are we do have the luxury now that we can eat avocado or mango all year round, um, which comes with, with its own problems as well because obviously the way that it's flown in and obviously travel in terms of the protection of things there's companies the company in the u.s like footprints that's showing that you can there are other ways to wrap products um i suppose a, a mid-level one rather than not using anything at all would be something like biodegradable wrapping although it's not completely great for the planet it's still better than single-use plastic that sits on the planet for hundreds of years so i think the biodegradable so that that there's some there's some business models there the technology exists it's just yeah. that the, it's the price point's not there i suppose if any businesses can find it to make it work or that even the large supermarkets they can make this work financially then that's great the other thing that you um went upon there so we've got look we're looking at like old traditional things the way that it's wrapped but the, the business model that came about which is super interesting is the localization of products so within the localization that like the local markets the local shops selling their produce if if they could actually use this as a as an angle in their marketing that it isn't wrapped in plastic that it could you know that it could support businesses like yours then actually that's something what businesses could jump on here that that you know that we've got to try and get into the mindset of shopping local so that's quite an interesting thing to think about that and um again it goes back to more traditional way of of buying yeah and do you know what's interesting as well is there's a lot of stuff that you can't get locally um but you could if there was enough demand for it uh, I, one of the theories I've never really got to be able to really properly test this because um, I just haven't been able to get to the, the sort of critical mass. But um, I was chatting to I was trying to get hold of strawberries that didn't come wrapped in plastic um, in that first year. Um, really hard, you know, and you can obviously go and pick your own, but it doesn't really suit this particular business model. What I really wanted to be able to do was to find a local grower that could um, uh, get, supply them to us plastic free. And I chatted with this local farmer just by chance, someone that connected with me. And um, he said, well, Simon, if I knew next summer that you were going to have, you know, 100 local people who were going to uh, buy my strawberries, I'd grow them for you. And I think I, I'd love to be able to uh, get to that point where we've got such a critical mass of people who want to buy locally that we're actually convincing local growers to change what they grow so that they could produce stuff for local folk. Um, mm. it, it does feel like it's a real opportunity to completely change how supply chains work and bring it all back locally. I mean, you're never going to do it for everything, but there's a lot of stuff which has probably migrated away over the years for various reasons, probably largely based around cost. Um, and now that we're evaluating things, you know, looking at it through a different lens, you know, the carbon lens, um, sustainability lens, the supporting local jobs lens, if you could, you know, get enough people behind that and perhaps get businesses to start to evaluate these decisions through more than just a single narrow focused, uh, cost focused lens, then yeah, it all becomes quite interesting, but it yeah. needs, um, it needs momentum. Um, and 
sadly, I think we're just uh, in that part of the cycle in the next couple of years where it's going to be really tough because you know everyone's energy bills are going up and uh, people's home budgets are going to be under pressure. And I think you do have to spend more to buy local, buy locally. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty tough for most people to do uh, to be able to do it in the in the next couple of years. But hopefully, when we're through. Uh, the other side of this, and let, let's hope that won't be too long. Um, maybe it's something which um, would gather some momentum. Will gather some momentum. Yeah, I, can, I see where you're coming from. I suppose where the innovation could be here, I, I, I do believe there's something around community because I, 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 I'm totally agree that buying local over the cost of your whole shop from your from your fruit and veg to your non-perishables and your tins, your cans, and everything, the weekly shop is more. But I'm wondering whether where the innovation might be that it's community led in terms of the sharing, the ideas around community growing, the ideas around um, refill and sharing or buying in bulk and sharing that. There's a few bits of software um, this like program, um, sorry, software, but there's um, apps, you know, like Olio and Too Good To Go and there's sharing apps. So there's, there's ways around that. Um, but it, it only will work through people coming together and communities yeah. working together, um, which is uh, a beautiful utopia that I do believe in. Um, unfortunately, not everyone feels the same, but it's it's up to people like you, Simon, and me to, <laughs> to change the way that they buy and the way they think. Okay. Well, this kind of leads on to, um, there's two sections here. They, they kind of inter, intertwine. Um there's one about generating revenue. So we, we, we're saying here that local businesses are going to struggle over the next few years with rising costs. I would like to try and explore here, is there other ways of generating revenue? Is there other business models that maybe you have seen that you thought, that's a really good idea that could be scaled? Is it in terms of local producers, in terms of local shops, in terms of people coming together? Is, is there any new markets that you might see emerging over the next couple of years? Um, in the world of food, do you mean, or just uh, more generally? I think, well, I, I was going to start on the world of food, but if you did see anything else that was relative, then I'm, I'm happy to explore it. <laughs> well, um, I mean, my other passion is cycling, um, and uh, I work for the national trade body for the cycling industry, so I'm lucky to uh, be exposed to lots of different businesses doing lots of different really interesting things from sort of very traditional uh bike brands to much more innovative ways of um providing low low carbon transport solutions i think um what's really interesting at the moment as a dynamic um is electric bikes and electric cargo deliveries um and you've got uh a lot of businesses, predominantly in cities at the moment, where um, particularly with uh, cities trying to tackle their carbon targets, trying to reduce pollution and congestion, um, you've got a door that I think is opening wider and wider on these low carbon deliveries or alternatives. Um, and I think, you know, if you go to places like London, um, and to a lesser extent, Manchester and Birmingham, these, these sort of ways of, of getting that sort of last mile delivery um, are really starting to emerge. Um, it's not 
anywhere near coming out into the rural countrysides uh, of Dar like Derbyshire. But um, I, do, I do think that um, this will come. Um, and so as a trend that's going to come in the future, um, I think it's um, a really interesting one to watch. Um, and so if you live in the city, um, you know, uh, it could unwrap local work in a city. Uh, I'd love to be able to do that with sort of um, e-cargo bike deliveries. I think that would be a, a brilliant way of bringing the carbon footprint down even further of, of your sort of weekly shop. It does. These type of businesses do tend to work. They, they need critical mass for it to work. Um, it's now, you know, look at the, the delivery services, like things like Deliveroo, it had to work at scale for it to work. It couldn't just work as a, like a macro, uh, micro business. It had to go macro to, for it to work. Yeah. And um, I totally see, to see how Unwrap could work. Have you, you know, there's, there's organisations out there already like Riverford Foods. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they I know they're really big into, into reducing plastic wrapping, um, compostable wrapping. Yeah. Um, you know, it's worth looking at how they kind of scaled their business because I think they're national now. Yeah, they are. I, I love Riverford Foods. Um, I did use them for a while um, a few years ago, but at that point they weren't plastic free. Um, so it put me off. Um, you know, had, had they been a bit more plastic free two or three years ago, maybe Unwrap Local would never have started because I'd have uh, found that solution. So I, I do think they are um, doing a great job of sourcing quality food uh, in packaging that's much more sustainable um, but it's not from Derbyshire you know it's from national growers that they're working with to deliver across the UK um, mm. so it's great um, uh, certainly think for a lot of people that will um, will tick the box when it comes to having a sustainable home delivery option but if you want to support local businesses um, unless you're lucky enough to live in an area where they uh, have a, a supplier partner that they work with, then, you know, it won't be doing that. Mm, no, that's a really good point. And uh, yeah, that, that really puts a spotlight that, you know, that what this is doing is really supporting local produce and your local area and, and the, you know, the breads, the cheeses, the dairy, the fruit and veg that comes from local area and it's keeping the money within the local economy. No, it's amazing. I think it's incredible. Okay. So that's awesome. Um, in terms of new markets, though, um, and actually we'll, we'll dive a little bit into supply chains here a little bit and, and look at how the supply chains work. So within, within what you're doing, how, does, how do you monitor supply chains to make sure that they're, they mirror the same ethics and values as you? How, how do you choose the, the businesses in the first place? Well, the... The sort of number one criteria is plastic-free, single-use plastic-free packaging. So having an alternative um, is, uh, that's, that's really, um, that's really the sort of the key selecting criteria, number one. Uh, working with local businesses, you have the vision and I guess the capacity to support this type of operation is, num is number two. Um, and not every local business does that. You know, the, a lot of them are very successful uh, or are very focused on just serving people that are coming off the high street and don't want to look outside of that. So, um, you know, for me, finding those businesses who've got the vision to sort of see outside of that and see this as an incremental business opportunity um, is also key. Um, beyond that, uh, in terms of 
monitoring the supply chain and um, sort of checking that, that what that what they're buying is ethical in, in whatever way we've described is, is really up to them. So um, if I take a couple of examples, you know, um, Lowerhurst Farm, um, our organic um, beef farm in Hartington, um, they are um, an organic farm. So they've gone through the whole sort of uh, process of being certified. And so, you know, if you like, um, me knowing that they've got that certification is the way that I um, have faith and trust in, in what they're supplying to us um, is organic. Um, but, but really, it does rely on the retailers themselves to do that checking. Um, and so if they sell something through Unwrap Local, um, you know, that the onus is on them to um, check that if, if it is organic, if they're saying it's being marketed as organic, that it is. Mm. And in terms of the plastic wrapping, um, where where do you draw the line? Because obviously certain single-use plastics can't be recycled, has to go in your, your black bin, go, you know, we, it, unless we know what your local council does and where it's distributed, we don't really know what, where that goes. Then you've got the plastics that can be recycled. And this is obviously a, a touchy area because we, we know from the big plastic count that not a lot of these plastics are actually being recycled anyway, and they go to all different sorts of places. And then obviously we've got other types of pa- packaging like Tetra Pak and all these things. Where, where, what's the kind of, how do you um, categorise what you can and don't have in your unwrapped pack? If that makes sense, sorry. Yeah, what what do you have and what do what don't you have? So. So the question is, how do we manage our sort of packaging strategy? I mean, it's very simple. We don't allow any single-use plastic packaging. Um, I'm going to caveat that slightly by saying that there are some products where it's absolutely impossible uh, to not have, like, for example, on an apple, a little plastic label on it. Um, uh, and I think if I was being 100% purist, uh, there'd be no product range to unwrap local. What I'm trying to do is tackle uh, you know, 98, 99% of it. So um, aside from those things that I really cannot do anything about, like that little annoying plastic label that apple growers decide to put on their apples, um, there is no single-use plastic packaging. Um, and I think you know, you've touched on the reasons why you can't sort of trust that any sort of plastic w- will be recycled, even if it says it can be. Uh, the bottom line is, is that if you buy things wrapped in plastic packaging, we're perpetuating the supply chain needing to um, uh, carry on producing that plastic packaging and therefore extracting fossil fuels from the ground. You know, there are very few 100% closed, in fact, there are none, no, no closed loop 100% plastic recycling um, uh, processes, you know, all of them to some degree use virgin plastic as part of their process. So the simple rule is uh, no plastic packaging. um, And there's sort of like a hierarchy, if you like, that we try and adopt, which is number one, the ideal is there's no no plastic packaging at all. So um, a lot of our fruit and veg, um, particularly the sort of stuff that isn't soft fruit or uh, salad, uh, will supply to people um, with no packaging at all. So, you know, that's the best form. No waste because uh, yeah. there's nothing in the first place. Um, after that, um, it needs to be um, either compostable, home compostable, 
um, or non-fossil fuel recyclable or a refill. Uh, and so we do have um, uh, quite a few items now which are refills, um, things like hand soap, things like uh, red wine, oil, cooking oil, um, and all of those um, items we use either metal or recycled plastic bottles that get used over and over again. Um, so, um, you know, the bottom line is no single use plastic unless there's absolutely something that we really cannot do it, anything about it. Um, and, and even then it has to be really sort of minor in terms of the packaging makeup. Um, uh, and then like uh, those other alternatives, so compostable, um, non-fossil fuel recyclable or, or reusable, refillable. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, a lot of this, again, it goes back to education because actually to do the refill, often we need plastic to do the refill, like Tupperware and things like that. So the key with that, though, is 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 being able to have something that you can use again and again and again in Tupperware. You, know, you could use it for hundreds of years, really, in theory. It, it, well, not my yeah. Tupperware. I overuse it, to be honest with you. But at least, at least after many, many years, it can be recycled. But then obviously in that process of using Tupperware and refilling and putting your meat in it and, and et cetera, that you're able to definitely divert a lot of single plastic that would have gone to landfill. Anyway, I could talk to you about this for hours. Honestly, I really could, Simon. It's, I think it's absolutely fascinating the work that you're doing. And I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's incredible. So um, the last bit here is about partnerships really. And it's about where can we, you know, in your in your journey through this, is there anyone that's thinking about and say we've got local retailer shop that are thinking about like I want to reduce the amount of plastic packaging that I'm using in my own produce or my own products? What can they do? Where can they seek help and get information to take this further? Are you talking about consumers or about the retailer businesses? I think I'll put this onto the businesses now, like businesses that make products, sell food or, you know, or distribute food. What, where can they seek help to get them on the right path here? Um, you've probably got a couple of sources. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of local businesses about this over the last uh, two and a half years and where they are buying packaging from, um, which typically will be some sort of packaging distributor. I would say most of the time there are now non-plastic uh, choices that they, they can make and they can access. Um, the difficulty or the challenge rather is that they're more expensive. Um, and so we're at that tricky point in the uh, cycle here where it's still relatively um, uncommon uh, for businesses to buy packaging that isn't plastic because of the all the good qualities that plastic packaging has in terms of keeping things fresh and being low cost. Um, and so um, I think um, that there's a decision to be made and a bit of shopping around to do for local businesses, but there are lots of choices out there. Um, and I think if you go to your packaging distributor and ask the question, that's probably the first port of call. But actually, um, you know, search engines are, are, are probably the next place to go. Um, and actually, there are a lot more choices now out there um, where you can get um, plastic-free alternatives. Um, and it, that might mean changing supplier, it might mean making a commitment and buying in bulk, or it, it might mean that a business like Unwrap Local, perhaps we can uh, 
combine the buying power of our retailers uh, so that they you know uh, can sort of offset uh, higher uh, minimum order quantities to be able to afford to to buy that alternative um, I think the bottom line is that innovators um, at this level um, at this stage in the in the in the life cycle are probably going to have to pay more um, but uh, find the customers who are willing to pay it and find ways to offset those costs um, and it might be there's a trade-off that you can make somewhere else within your business that means that you can afford to pay more for your packaging. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to doing the right thing. Um, and if you can, um, if you can sort of manage that balance uh, across the business um, in terms of making those choices, then I guess um, I guess that's the way to do it. Amazing. Um, anyone listening to this show, where if they want to find out more about you and they want to connect with you, where's the best place to send them? Well, we haven't talked about this. I don't know if Fred has men- mentioned this to you, but I've actually paused Unwrap Local at the moment. Um, so um, I'm not, and, and that's really come about through the cost of living crisis this year. I found it got to a point where I couldn't get customer numbers up for this to be something I could see continuing in its current form in the short term. So by all means, reach out to me uh, for um, uh, for advice or feedback or to pick my brains. But uh, sadly, you can't be a customer at the moment um, because um, I've had to sort of uh, uh, shelve it for the short term. Um, I don't know what might happen in the future, but uh, that's that's the case right now. But if you wanted to reach out to me, then um, I'm on LinkedIn, Simon Irons. Um, that's probably the best way to to get through. Amazing. Okay, and uh, yeah, we'll put that link to your LinkedIn on there. I just think the work that you've done up to this day, and you know, and the knowledge and the experience and the highs and the lows, you know, the, the business is paused, but actually that's a representation of the, the way that we are economically and socially and what people are thinking about, but that's not to say that things are going to change and it has to change. But I, I just want to echo things that I've been saying throughout this interview and in that I totally think everything that you're doing is amazing. And I think there's a huge need for it. And I think, it will come about again, whatever guys that is. But I just think the work that you're doing is so important. And I just want to say thank you because there should be more people like you out there doing what you're doing. And um, I, I will pray to the lords that it, you know, that it, it comes back in a different way. Or if it comes back in, you know, in a within a different network, or I don't know. But yeah, I think the work you're doing is important. So I, I tip my cap to you. Thank you. Um, I mean, one of the advantages of stopping is that you have time to reflect. Um, and um, I'm definitely a cup half full sort of person. And I'd like to find a way of making this work if I could in the future. Um, you know, and if by the time I get round to starting again, somebody else has already taken the idea on and um, is making it work, then brilliant. But if not, then, um, you know, there's lots of things that I think I would do um I take the learnings from how I've done it this time round um, and try and make it better next time. So, great. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Low Carbon Business Podcast is brought to you by the University of Derby. Thank you to all our partners. The show is produced by Seed. Audio by Guru Music. Please remember to like and subscribe and leave a review on the platform you're listening to this on. 
To get in touch, contact us using the links in the show notes. We'd love to hear about your business, project or idea. Save money, protect the environment and re-energise your business. This is the Low Carbon Business Podcast.